Welcome back to Foresight Bureau. In this episode, we explore if the United States and India will establish a superpower alliance, and how this could turn into a huge financial opportunity if two of the world's largest democracies forge a stronger bilateral relationship. This in-depth analysis examines the various factors that may foster closeness and cooperation or create tensions and strategic divergence. India is currently the world's fifth-largest economy. It's predicted to grow by 7% whereas China's will slow to 4.6% by 2026. This will likely lead to India becoming the third-largest economy by 2030 with a GDP potentially worth $7.5 trillion. Both nations cherish democratic institutions and uphold the principles of freedom and the rule of law. Despite differences in governance styles and domestic challenges, mutual respect for democratic principles are firmly rooted within the DNA of both countries. For instance, India's vibrant democracy, characterized by regular free elections and a diverse political landscape, mirrors the democratic ethos of the United States. Economic ties are strengthening as U.S. Companies like Apple attempt to diversify their manufacturing bases from China to India, tapping into India's burgeoning market and tech-savvy population. Bilateral trade reached new heights in recent years, underscoring growing economic interdependence. Unlike China, there's no indication that India will want to challenge U.S. hegemony, and this approach is reflected in India's foreign policy, which emphasizes regional stability and development partnerships. In fact, the U.S. has become one of India's top defense suppliers. According to the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute, India's imports of major arms from the U.S. have increased by 557% since 2010. This reflects a significant shift in India's defense procurement strategy, with a growing focus on diversifying its defense equipment sources and strengthening its strategic partnership with the United States. Traditionally, Russia has been the dominant arms supplier to India, accounting for over 65% of its military imports between 2003 and 2022. The Ukraine war has however cast a shadow on the India-Russia relationship leading to some concerns about reliability and potential sanctions. As a result, India cancelled or suspended major deals with Russia, including MI-17 helicopters, Vikramaditya aircraft carrier upgrades, and development of the Sukhoi Su-57 fifth-generation fighter aircraft. Further evidence of growing military ties between the US and India is the growing number of joint military exercises that cover various domains, including land, air, and see and aim to enhance interoperability, cooperation, and combat readiness. Near an end of my uh, trip to India, uh, which is an important strategic partner for the United States, uh, as you've seen over the past year, the President and the Prime Minister have met, our Secretaries of State have met, our Secretaries of Defense have met. We have four different navies. We've got a submarine, we've got maritime reconnaissance aircraft, and uh, uh, we have, over a period of time, built uh, interoperability, trust, understanding. India is also playing an increasingly important role in the Quad, which is a strategic dialogue forum comprising of the United States, Japan, Australia, and itself. The Quad is seen as a way to counter China's growing influence in the region. China has aggressively used its newly expanded naval capacity to control maritime trade that passes through India's surrounding oceans. Furthermore, China's Belt and Road Initiative has resulted in the regional superpower gaining political influence in regions surrounding India on land as well as sea. By establishing a network of naval bases and ports that run from the Chinese mainland to the Horn of Africa China has not only been able to encircle India, but also have access to sea lines that run through several strategically vital maritime choke points such as the Strait of Mandeb, Strait of Malacca, Strait of Hormuz, and the Lombok Strait. 
China plans to continue its encirclement strategy and key to this is the String of Pearls, which comprises of ports that run from Mombasa, Djibouti and Karachi to Colombo, the Cocoa Islands, and Hong Kong. India's response is to establish its own network often referred to as the Necklace of Diamonds to counter China's String of Pearls. However, while India values its partnership with the Quad, it continues to maintain its commitment to strategic autonomy by explicitly avoiding to mention China in Quad statements. But we predict that India's neutrality in this regard will become increasingly untenable, especially if China continues to project military power to assert its claims over the Indo-Pacific. Let's now explore India's relationship with BRICS. BRICS stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa and is an intergovernmental organization originally formed to explore investment opportunities. Recently, several other nations, including Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, and the United Arab Emirates have been invited to join. BRICS leaders have often criticized the dominance of the US dollar and advocated for a multipolar financial system. However, despite shared goals, BRICS members have diverse interests and priorities, making it difficult for them to forge a unified front on challenging the US dollar. Despite being a BRICS member, India's trade with other BRICS nations is overshadowed by its trade volume with the US and other Western partners. So to say that India supports a plan to rival the US dollar or advocate an alternative in the form of a BRICS currency is grossly over-exaggerated. The US dollar remains the dominant currency in international trade and finance. India's use of US dollars is likely to rise, not decrease, further integrating the two financial systems. Another sign of economic interdependence and growing trust that's worth keeping an eye on is how many US treasuries are held by the Indian government. If their holdings increase that is a sure sign of deepening financial ties. The Indian government held approximately $156.5 billion worth of U.S. treasuries at the end of June 2020 compared to $222 billion in October 2023. Let's now look at cultural values. The coexistence of diverse religions, including Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and Hinduism, in both nations fosters a peaceful cultural exchange, thereby potentially further cementing bilateral ties. In general Hinduism is inherently pluralistic and has a tradition of accepting and incorporating a diversity of beliefs and practices. This inclusivity can lead to a less confrontational stance towards other religions such as Christianity that is particularly prevalent throughout the South and Midwest of America which is why it's often referred to as the Bible Belt. However, it's crucial to recognize that the dynamics of religious relationships are complex and influenced by a multitude of factors beyond just theology. Factors include historical contexts, cultural practices, political movements, and individual interpretations. In summary, these complex dynamics will continue to shape the relationships between these religious traditions in different parts of the world. Let's now consider how innovation and technology is bringing the two nations together. Over the past decade, links between Silicon Valley and Bangalore, which is India's premier tech hub, continue to strengthen. Lives and breathes technology. And you can see it from 2015 to 2021, Bengaluru outperformed San Francisco in startup creation. In two years alone, from 19 to 21, the city saw the birth of around 5,000 new startups. And that's not an easy feat. People want to be here from the rest of India or from the rest of the world. There's everything that you need to be in one of the most exciting startup hubs on the planet. On a global scale, Bengaluru is outgrowing any other tech hub. Over $18.6 billion in investments last year. That's more than Beijing, that's more than Shanghai. And all of that money is going to these startups. Anyone here walking next to you is probably related to startups. Bengaluru is a haven for startups, and as far as IT goes, it's an essential piece of India. In the country, there are around 5 million people who work in IT and the BPM sectors. In Bengaluru alone, companies employ 1.5 million people. That's 30% of India's IT workforce just concentrated on this city. And that's not all. Bengaluru accounts for 40% of India's total IT. The significant number of U.S. tech companies led or founded by individuals of Indian origin illustrates strong professional and cultural connections. 
Also, unlike many Asian nations such as China, English is widely spoken in India. That makes it ideal for attracting direct foreign investment in the form of U.S. private equity, early-stage seed investment, and venture capital. It also makes the entire process of facilitating educational exchange and business collaboration that much easier. Although not the primary topic of this episode, let's now briefly look at what factors might potentially weaken U.S.-India relations. Let's start by considering what might happen if India were to significantly reduce its holdings of U.S. treasuries and invest the proceeds in gold or an alternative basket of currencies belonging to members of the BRICS alliance. This might potentially be viewed by Washington as a hostile act as it might appear that India was actively attempting to destabilize the U.S. economy and strengthen economies of the BRICS nations. The net result is that relations between New Delhi and Washington would rapidly sour. It might also wreak havoc on the global economy and lead to substantial volatility in the foreign exchange markets, the scale of which would depend on the volume of T-bills sold. Another factor is the evolution of Indochina relations. Today they are significant trading partners which makes them highly economically interdependent. This might result in some difficult and complex strategic choices for India if hostilities between Washington and Beijing were to worsen. However, as the Chinese economy is in decline and unlikely to ever fully recover, India's dependence on it will reduce over time. One final factor that might lead to economic and geopolitical friction is the possibility that India may one day rival the US's military supremacy. India's purchasing power is expected to be 30% larger than the US by 2050, and Goldman Sachs predicts that it will become the second largest economy by 2075. It will be interesting to see how India chooses to wield its increasing military might. Will it be content to remain a regional power, or will it opt to project power further afield? Time will tell. However, the Indian government has expressed a desire to encourage domestic manufacturing and export of defense equipment as part of a wider flagship scheme spearheaded by Prime Minister Modi. Although the initiative has resulted in substantial growth India remains a relatively small player and tends to focus on selling low-cost materials and equipment to developing nations that can't afford or don't have access to advanced Western arms. As India becomes more technically capable however, it's only a matter of time until it is able to develop weapon systems that rival those produced by the West. When that happens India may be viewed by disgruntled Western military contractors as a strategic competitor, especially if Indian weapons go to Western adversaries. Repercussions might include trade restrictions and refusal to provide technical support, training, and maintenance of systems previously purchased. Worst-case scenario would be if India were to become less democratic and more adversarial, following a similar path to that of China. Were that to happen the relationship would quickly unravel. However, we think that's unlikely, providing India remains a democratic nation that is aligned with Western values and does not imitate China's expansionist and antagonistic foreign policy. Looking ahead, we optimistically predict that U.S.-India relations will flourish and become a robust, strategic partnership shaped by deep economic ties and shared interests in regional stability. As a result, we believe India represents a substantial commercial opportunity and this is how we plan to benefit from its widely anticipated economic growth. Investing in Indian stocks and bonds is generally considered to be the best way to obtain direct exposure. But rather than picking individual assets, we prefer to invest in exchange-traded funds or ETFs as they potentially offer a more accessible and tax-efficient option for international investors. Some of the leading ETFs include iShares MSCI India ETF. This ETF tracks the MSCI India Index and includes large and mid-cap Indian stocks. It's one of the most popular ETFs for gaining broad exposure to the Indian equity market. Wisdom Tree India Earnings Fund EPI tracks the Wisdom Tree India Earnings Index, focusing on profitable companies in India. 
It includes companies of various sizes across different sectors. Invesco India ETF This fund tracks the FTSE India Quality and Yield Select Index, offering exposure to Indian equities that meet certain liquidity and earnings criteria. Franklin FTSE India ETF FLIN follows the FTSE India Capped Index, encompassing large and mid-cap Indian stocks. The fund aims to capture a broad range of Indian companies. Vanek Vectors India Growth Leaders ETF GLIN tracks the market Greater India All-Cap Growth Leaders Index, focusing on companies in India that exhibit growth characteristics. iShares India 50 ETF This ETF tracks the Nifty 50 Index, consisting of the top 50 large-cap companies in the Indian stock market. It's a good option for those looking to invest specifically in India's largest companies. Columbia India Consumer ETF This fund targets the Indian consumer sector, tracking an index of companies that are primarily focused on the domestic Indian consumer market, making it a more sector-specific investment. When considering investing in these ETFs, it's important to look at factors such as the fund's performance, expense ratio, the sectors it covers, and its overall investment strategy. Additionally, investing in international markets like India involves risks, including currency fluctuations, economic instability, and political risk, which should be considered as part of your overall investment strategy. As always, it's recommended to consult with a financial advisor or conduct your own research before investing. And that wraps up today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and sharing your time with us. Your thoughts and opinions matter immensely, and we'd love to hear from you. So, don't hesitate to reach out through our social media channels or drop us an email with your feedback, questions, or topics you're curious about for future episodes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing to our podcast on your favorite platform, and if you're feeling generous, leave us a review. It helps more than you know in spreading the word and growing our community. Until next time peace out. Disclaimer, this content is intended for entertainment purposes only. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information provided. We are not responsible for any losses or damages that may arise. Nothing should be interpreted as investment or financial advice.